A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey guys, it's Candice. And Kayla, and we are directionally challenged. Oh yeah, we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't, hey, but that's Kayla. okay. It's totally okay. And it's I can't okay. even express how much fun it is to do this with you week after week, Candace. truly. Even though we can't see each other in person anymore because you are far away in Nashville and so excited. I Just seeing you through the screen means more than you know. Uh, speaking of... Tell me what it's like in Nashville. Tell our listeners, how is life over there? Oh, it's beautiful. I I'm, <laughs> truly love it. Like everything's so green and there's horses, there's recreational cows. Like there's not even like like driving. <laughs> My five-year-old, we were driving to like a gymnastics thing. And then all of a sudden there's just like, it's not a farm. It's just like a, a beautiful house with like a larger front yard and just like cows. I just love the idea of recreational cows and and I got recreational chickens. So that's where most of my um, time and energy has been. I was really taking care of my chickens, not moving <laughs> in the house, just really, you know, brightening up that chicken coop and, uh, you know, just getting down and dirty with the country life. Right. Yes. I made some spider spray. That was a big activity. You handmade spider spray? Like you made it? <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> 
<laughs> Please explain. Well, apparently, giant freaking spiders love to hang out on chicken coops. <gasps> and they don't do anything. They don't eat the bugs. They don't, like, help the chickens. They just make webs everywhere and look terrifying. And so you can't use, like, regular bug spray because then it's going to be harmful to the chickens. And these are, you know, outdoor spiders in their own habitat. Mm. So I, like, feel bad taking them out. Right. So there is this, like, organic way of, like, telling the spiders, get out of here. And it's with some witch hazel and peppermint oil. So I have concocted my <laughs> spider spray, which I spray on my chicken coop. And I am happy to report that the spiders of the terrifying giant spiders have not returned because what I was doing before that was taking a broom and then like quickly running it around this coop and getting all the spiders on the broom and then throwing the broom into the yard. And Joe kept like having to go outside to pick up the various brooms and dusters that I was just leaving in the yard with the scary I, spiders. I feel like we need a coop cam. <laughs> Can we set up a camera where there's just yeah. a live feed of you and the chicken coop? <laughs> yes. I would love to make that happen. Uh, yeah, the bugs have been very scary. I, I felt the need to share about the spiders because the spiders are just the tip of the iceberg. And part of what we wanted to talk about today all stemmed from the fact that being in Tennessee, all of a sudden I started hearing everybody talk about bugs, you know, like, oh, yeah, there's spiders. Earlier in the year, everyone was talking about cicadas. But the other bug that everyone kept bringing up was, oh, my gosh, that you're going to love Tennessee. It's so much fun. Your kids are going to love it. Just be careful about ticks. Like, have you ever had to worry about ticks in California growing up there? No. I mean, I always knew about ticks, obviously, and that sometimes they transfer Lyme disease. But I've uh, uneducated me thought that ticks lived on some faraway river, like the Nile River, somewhere really far <laughs> away, and that they, they never would affect me. But the truth is, you're right. They they are everywhere. And especially, I think, you moved to a place where ticks are extremely prominent and you also have a property that has, you know, a forest on it. Is that the correct term? Yeah, it's a giant <laughs> conservatory. No, <laughs> we just have like we have like a Lots foresty area. We have yeah. a lot of trees. There's deer out here. And um, when I was out here a couple months ago, um, talking to people who'd grown up in Tennessee, the other thing I kept hearing about was not only ticks, but ev like so many people I've met have this tick it, disease called alpha gal syndrome, where you get bit by a tick and it's not necessarily Lyme, but you automatic all of a sudden become severely allergic to red meat and some sort of like protein. Yeah, there's some sort of molecule that gets in the protein of whether it's like beef, pork, lamb. Um, some people get become allergic to dairy or even like medications or soaps that have like traces of animal byproduct in it. But all of a sudden from getting a tick bite, you are like severely allergic to all this red meat. And so alpha-gal syndrome was something I kept hearing about as well. I knew that Lyme disease existed. When I was in high school, uh, there was a girl that I knew who, an, a year after graduation, we had met back up in Orlando and I'd heard that, you know, she said, I'm really sick. And they say it's Lyme disease. And so it was the first time that I'd heard about it. And then, and I'd actually, you know, felt really grateful for the opportunity to work with various Lyme organizations to help spread awareness on educating yourself and 
and the fact that every summer we just need to be sure to check ourselves and the realities of what Lyme disease is and chronic Lyme. And so I've always known about it and I've always been really, really terrified about it. Uh, but I just didn't feel like obviously it exists in California, but I didn't feel like it's not a constant threat. No, it doesn't feel like a constant threat. And so the second that I got to Tennessee, like, you know, five out of the 10 people I met had this alpha gal syndrome. Wow. And then everyone's telling me to watch out for for ticks. And so that's why I was like, Kayla, I feel like we I need to educate myself mm-hmm. on tick-borne illnesses and Lyme disease. And, you know, and I'm so grateful that you were um, excited and also wanted to educate yourself on this subject matter because a lot of people suffer from Lyme and a lot of people don't know that it even exists. Right. And that's why today we're going to sit down with Frances Silva. She is a photographer and documentary filmmaker alongside her partner and husband, Tony C. Silva. They made a documentary called The Monster Inside of Me. And it's a documentary about her journey with chronic Lyme disease. And it includes first-person interviews with people and medical professionals telling their personal stories about contracting rare diseases, most of them being parasitic and ending up with Lyme. So without further ado, here is our in-depth conversation with Francis Silva of the documentary, The Monster Inside of Me. So before we discuss your story and before we discuss your movie uh, that Kayla and I were so grateful to have the opportunity to watch. Um, we would love if you could tell our listeners if they're sitting down listening to this podcast episode thinking, oh, I've never heard Lyme. What's Lyme disease? If they've never heard that before, what would you tell them? What is kind of a simple, if there is one, I'm sure okay. there's not, but if you can make a simple answer as to what is Lyme disease? Well, Typically, people associate Lyme disease as a tick-borne illness, which there's a lot of information out there today that um, indicates you you can get it many other ways aside from just a tick. But we'll stick to the simple. And let's assume that um, I was bitten by a tick at some point. And in my case, I never saw the, the standard bullseye rash. And essentially, what happens when you are bitten by a tick is it it releases bacteria into your bloodstream and then the bacteria has a heyday and travels throughout every area of your body and shuts down your immune system and and then uh, you get to deal with all of that goodness after that so (laughs) this disease is so fascinating because not only is there a struggle with once you're diagnosed struggling and there's a battle with the disease, but there's also a battle with the diagnosis of the disease. You had mentioned you didn't see the standard bullseye. And when researching this, I found out 72% of patients see three or more doctors before they're diagnosed, which is absurd to me. And can you share with us your struggle with the diagnosis to begin with? And then we can lead into your experience having the disease. Yeah. Um, and that, that's absolutely right. I mean, everyone that I personally have come in contact has shared very similar stories and, um, it is, it's alarming, uh, once you sit down and begin to hear these patterns over and over again. And in my case, I was, I thought I was super healthy. Um, three weeks before my body shut down, I was exercising every day, running around the lake on the weekends. I had just come back from a girl's trip to um, Cozumel and Miami and Key West. And 
Three weeks after that trip, I was completely bedridden, couldn't get out of bed, couldn't move, couldn't drive myself to work. Um, so, you know, initially when my body started to shut down out of nowhere, I, of course, went to my primary care physician and there were some, some inner um, overlapping, let's say. There were some overlapping symptoms that um, they initially diagnosed me with myositis. And that's because my muscles were breaking down, which is the reason why I had become bedridden. And um, so, of course, I went through a series of tests and biopsies to try to determine what it was. And indeed, I do have myositis. So they put me on, um, on prednisone. And then once I started trying to get off of prednisone many months later, all my symptoms came back. And then that's finally when I went in to get tested for Lyme based on um, my now husband's encouragement to had had a lot of um, exposure to um, dealing with people with Lyme disease. So um, for me, I didn't have to go through, well, I did see a rheumatologist and urologist, my primary care, and they all thought it was just simply myositis. But, um, you know, there are many patients out there who see at least five to 20 different doctors before they have any clue. Well, I think when the second you start diving into um, or if you just type in Lyme disease in Google, it would be pretty quickly that you realize um, how many co-infections and and how many one door leads to the next door that leads to a window that leads to a trap door that leads to a basement. And it's you can get lost in in various forms of diagnosis. So I want to touch on the fact you mentioned the um, the bullseye. And just for any of our listeners that don't know what that is, uh, typically what is said is that if you get bit by a tick that has Lyme, you will have this bullseye rash that appears around uh, the infected area to show that you've been bitten by an infected tick. Obviously, we we all said that a lot of people actually don't have a bullseye rash that shows up. And they call it a bullseye because it's red in the middle and there's a red circle around it. Um, just for anyone that was wondering what that was. You mentioned that you started to feel sick. You were were running every day, you were traveling, you were thriving. And it, this would have been, I think you mentioned in your documentary around in your early 20s when you started to see, seek out medical help for um, various. Well, this, I was, this all happened six years ago. Um, and so it was not my early 20s, but going back to my early 20s, now that I've looked over my medical history, I can kind of see the pattern as it was unraveling leading up to my breakdown, you know, the, my body just kind of breaking down. There are a lot of telltale signs that people miss along the way. Simple things, um, as easy as I was having constant UTIs, um, constant yeast infections, which it's just your body becomes this open door to allow a variety of fungus, parasites, viruses, bacteria to come into. And, um, you know, I wasn't aware. So, of course, as I was going to the doctor, I was just being treated one symptom as a at a time. Right. And um, so by the time I was out of my 20s, I had already seen the doctor for a variety of things with um, no... Uh, you know, no thought whatsoever that it 
could have been related to Lyme. And as I said, now looking back, I see the pattern and see all the symptoms that correlated. I think one of the most distressing details about this disease is its ability to morph and remain undetected and how it does awaken all those co-infections that you've discussed. And when in the documentary, you guys talk about how it can mimic over 300 other diseases. And that to me is the most terrifying thing, because as you said, you think it's one specific thing and then it ends up being all interconnected for those listening that think oh wait I've had that and I've had that can you just share a little bit more insight into um, how you were able to kind of understand and narrow it down to Lyme disease specifically you know for me it wasn't until I began treatment I actually um, treated at a, a clinic in Arizona and so I had an opportunity to not only speak with a variety of doctors while I was there, but many other patients. And, you know, we just began sharing. And, and of course, in the more research I did, I was able to determine that the neurological symptoms that I was experiencing were all related to Lyme. So in my case, I was back in my early 30s. I had been diagnosed with clinical depression after I had lost my mother to an autoimmune disease. From there, it was then anxiety, you know, just um, chronic anxiety. And then as I began treatment, it it got a heck of a lot worse. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like cancer when you start to treat things, just take a turn for the worse. So then a lot of symptoms started to come out. And it was mostly just being able to dialogue with other people and recognize those shared symptoms. And there are a lot of them. There are a lot of things that um, start to creep in that you wouldn't even think that were associated with Lyme disease. It sounds like you had to do most of this research on your own and that then you have to be your own spokesperson, essentially. What, what kind of toll does that take on you when you keep going to various doctors and medical practices looking for answers and then you have to become your own medical detective. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we hear that more and more that we have to be our own um, advocate of our own health because <laughs> as we were doing the documentary, the more physicians that we interviewed, we kept finding out that um, a lot of them are not being taught a full course about Lyme disease, a full course about nutrition. They may have one class, you know, that just kind of touches on the, the general area of, of those things. And so as I began to do my own research, as, as Kayla mentioned, I found out that it was all interconnected and it is, it becomes discouraging because, and overwhelming because you then begin to question the healthcare system and you begin to notice the patterns and the way that patients are treated. A lot of times when you go see your doctor, they will look at the symptoms and then give you a prescription for the symptoms. They're not trying to figure out, well, where is this coming from? And so in my experience, I had to go then over to uh, allopathic care and, you know, functional medicine, integrative medicine, where they kind of combine both. Well, they combine the philosophy of whole body treatment, you know, the whole system. For some reason in Western medicine, 
they're just not digging that deep. So then it's up to us, you know, mm-hmm. to start digging deep and finding out how to heal our body in every aspect. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now, I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae, and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. 
It's all the good stuff your body needs and flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. And we're back. There's this beautiful love story that's intertwined in your documentary that your now husband, Tony, was coincidentally researching Lyme disease when you two met. You had not been diagnosed yet. And I just think there's this lovely part of life where you two met right when you needed each other. And right, really, he guided you. And like, as you said in the beginning of this interview, he guided you to go to a doctor to discuss Lyme disease. And had you two not met, that may not have been your path, or it may have been a much windier path to find out the fact that you did have Lyme. And you also touch on how important it is to have someone in your life that will go through this with you. What was that experience like finding him, finding someone who would love you through all of it? And, you know, the Lyme rage is definitely something we want to touch on as well. And, um, you know, just finding that person that will go through it with you no matter what, because this is a disease that doesn't just affect the patient. It, it affects the family and the loved ones surrounding them so significantly as well. Yes, yes. Um, and, and you're right. I don't know where I would be had I not met my husband, Tony. He, he had been doing testimonial videos for the clinic that I eventually ended up treating at. So he was interviewing these Lyme patients over and over again and listening to their symptoms and their struggles. And when he and I first met, I was diagnosed with myositis on April 1st of 2015. And we met in May. And so I was already starting to have a lot of symptoms and struggling, you know, with my mobility and things of that nature. And the more I shared with them, he kept telling me, you know, your situation sounds very similar to these stories that I've heard over and over again. And I would highly suggest that you go get tested. And I put it off for months. I mean, it was about seven months that I just ignored that. And of course, with him encouraging me, I, I eventually did go get tested and found out. So um, I don't know what my life would have looked like and what turn I would have taken had he not entered right at that time. I, I probably would have ended up like a lot of people sick for many, many years, seeing you know 15 to 20 different doctors before I figured out what was going on with me. And um, in the documentary, yes, I did state how important it is to have someone in your corner. And it was strange because when I first was exposed to the Lyme community, I kept hearing stories from other people about how they were losing friendships and they were losing family members. And I thought that was kind of crazy and I was highly skeptical. I did not see that happening to myself in my own circle of family and friends. But lo and behold, there came a day <laughs> down the road where eventually I did end up losing one of my best friends um, because I had an episode in front of her. And whether or not she was able to understand that or not, I, I will never know. But we no longer talk. And now I have found myself in a situation where I can completely relate to those losses while having Lyme. And it's not only very painful, but... Um, it's eye-opening. And of course, then it does, it cements those relationships of those who are in your corner and who do, do stand by you. And my husband, of course, um, has been amazing um, 
how he was able to manage me, especially during the years that I was treated, being treated, I, I have no idea because we went through some tough times, but uh, I'm very, very grateful that I had somebody to go through that with. When you reference an episode, is it in reference to Lyme rage, which you discussed in the documentary? Yes, you're nodding yeah. your head. Yes. What did a difficult day look like? I, I really want to highlight the just how debilitating this disease is for anyone that's, oh, wait, you get a tick bite, you kind of don't feel good, wait, your muscles hurt. And, and just to so that anyone can truly understand how life-altering Lyme disease is. Can you walk us through uh, what a bad day would be like during treatment and before sure. before diagnosis? I think one thing that people don't understand it is multisystemic, which means the bacteria itself, which is like a corkscrew, goes through your bloodstream and it has access to all of your organs, your muscles, your tissues. It even has the ability to get into your brain. So when you think about, and then it multiplies. So there's there's this invasion, you know, there's this um, foreign invasion living, literally living inside of your body. And it begins to alter every area of your body and affect every area of your life. So a really bad day would be, um, for me, I woke up in the morning after eight to 10 hours of sleep. In my past life, I would have been refreshed, ready to go. Four hours later, I'm exhausted after doing nothing but just getting up and trying to, you know, get me something to eat, trying to get in the shower, trying to get dressed. By that time, I need a nap because I'm depleted physically. And then when you're that sick and you have, you're struggling from your neurological Lyme, um, there's a lot of things that are happening. For instance, I had a sensory overload. So anything, so I became very sensitive to sound, to light, to smells. And, um, and the best place to be is just kind of hiding in your bed under the blankets in a dark room, mm -hmm. because you really can't handle much else. There's the, the, your body becomes stressed out. And like I said, there's depression and anxiety and it's not depression because, oh, my life is so awful and, you know, I'm completely unhappy. It's depression just because the chemicals in your body are so off that you literally just can't function normally. And I know a lot of times in our documentary, we talked about myself and others included about not having control. And that's, mm. that's really, really hard to grasp. You know, the fact that they're, that we don't have control over our emotions or control over our thoughts. But um, there was a time too, where I was having intrusive thoughts that I, that would just come into my mind so quickly that I didn't know what it was like to have peace or rest or a still mind. So when you're in those situations, you don't know what's going on with you and you feel like you're going crazy and nobody can relate and you don't know how to talk to your family and friends about this stuff because they have no clue what that even feels like. Um, you know, that's what it's like uh, in short living with Lyme. Of course, there's like I said, it's multi systemic. So 
in a lot of cases, it affects people, um, their, their liver, their kidneys. In my case, my mobility, the brain, neurologically, there's a lot of things. So that, that's, in short, a, a bad day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I want to um, take us back to the term Lyme rage, because that was a term I'd never heard before. Uh, and then obviously watching your documentary and doing research on this, it came up so often. And just for our listeners, because we brushed over it for a minute and they may not know what that is. Can you take us through the experience of that? Because, you know, you you talk about how much how important it is to have your community. And then this significant part of the disease is battling against that community that con- that you need in order to continue to heal. and. It's interesting because there's an awareness level that it seems that you have while you're in the Lyme rage where you understand that what is happening is not something you want to happen, but then you don't have control over your body to stop it. And that's just something I gathered from it. And I'm wondering if that's a correct assumption and what that feels like to go through that. Yeah, there's a point where your emotions become so heightened that you you can't bring them down. I mean, mm-hmm. and you go from zero to 10 so quickly. And I, I think for me, the best way to describe it is brain inflammation, because there were so many times where I felt like my brain was on fire. And when that happens, um, I, I would experience disassociation where I could no longer relate to my surroundings Um, I could no longer reason with logic. Um, Everything was just so heightened that it was just um, like you're in flight or fight mode. That's where you're at when you're experiencing Lyme rage. So your, your, your adrenaline is gone. And that's why I think it's so hard to try to bring yourself back down. There were a lot of things, crazy things that I would have to do just to calm myself back down once I reached that point. In those cases, I would tap into what I would call my emergency kit because it was the only thing that I could rely on that would actually help me. Having to rely on an emergency kit is no fun because Mm. you're doing things that you you normally wouldn't have to do to take care of yourself. And just as an example, it would be like taking Xanax. I would have to take Xanax just to calm myself all the way down on top of a a lot of other things that I would have to do. I think it's really brave and um, incredibly beautifully vulnerable that you included uh, so much of that footage in the documentary that your husband took. I know it must have, I can imagine it must have been hard to see on the other side. So I just want to make sure we take a moment to just commend you on. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was very, very difficult. When did you and Tony look at each other and say, we need to make a documentary. We need to film this. We need to put this out into the world. What what was the igniting factor? Well, I'm a photographer and he's a cinematographer. And I don't think we ever had a conversation where we said, not at the very beginning where we said, okay, let's do this. Let's try this. Essentially, um, my husband, uh, he had thought to himself that he wanted to begin capturing some of these things. And one day I was on a girl's trip in um, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and he had put together a little teaser And he had asked my permission if he could launch it on Facebook. And I said, okay, sure. 
And lo and behold, we got thousands of responses and people were emailing and they were saying that when they had watched just the clips that they could relate, they were crying. They said that that they could identify with uh, everything that I was uh, talking about and the, the, the vulnerability that I had shared, which was amazing to me because I myself had felt so alone that I thought for sure there was nobody out there who was going through what I had gone through because I felt so crazy. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden, when, you know, thousands of people started coming forward, acknowledging that they had experienced the same, that's when we realized that we could no longer keep quiet. We couldn't keep this stuff to ourselves. We had to share. We had to tell the story of others, essentially. And as far as I'm concerned, the best way is to show it. You can't just tell people what you're experiencing. You have to show them. And I was willing to be that guinea pig, not just to share my own story, but because I felt like there were so many others who were so desperate that their stories as well needed to be told and needed to be shared. And and that's essentially why I decided to do it. We really want to touch on the fact that there is a constant struggle that the Lyme and Lyme chronic Lyme community has with the CDC and the medical community as a whole. The fact that the CDC won't recognize Lyme disease as a chronic illness. And I believe at one point they did recognize it as chronic, but now at this point, it no longer is recognized. Is that correct? Yes. And they, they changed that to post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome which essentially just shows that you were exposed to Lyme and you have traces of it in your body, but um, it's not chronic. You, you, you don't need treatment for that. If, you're, if it's showing in the test, it's because you had it at one point um, and because the antigens show that it was present. Uh, but there are so many like myself who... If you don't catch it in its acute stages during the first 72 hours once you're bitten, then you go on living with that and it can lie dormant in your body. And then it's outside environments and outside things that um, cause it to, to no longer lay dormant. So a lot of times it will be stress or eating habits and, uh, antibiotics, if you're on a lot of antibiotics, which will eventually, you know, shut down your immune system. So then you're dealing with a chronic issue now that the doctors are not acknowledging. They won't treat chronic Lyme. When I was treated, I was treated for four months with an IV antibiotics five days out of the week for six hours a day. That's wow. how much antibiotics I was receiving um, through my IV. Now, when you have acute Lyme, you can go through a 30-day course, maybe six to eight weeks, let's say. Six to eight weeks is good. And then you can cure it at that point if you catch it. But for those of us who don't catch it, who don't have the telltale, the, the rash, the bullseye rash, and we have no idea that we've been exposed, then it begins to slowly, you know, invade our body and take over and it becomes chronic. And I think 
that they're still find, trying to find ways to treat it. There's no one way to treat Lyme that has been effective to the point where you will be cured from, from it. And it's very difficult to catch it in that first 72 hours, exactly what you're saying, because again, first of all, not every tick carries Lyme. Right. That, not every tick. There are a lot of them that do. And and of the number of them that do, it's most people get Lyme from um, nymphal or immature form of the tick, which is about the size of a poppy seed. A poppy seed. Very, very, very small. So it's not like it's this giant grasshopper sized bug that's like jumping on you and you're just like, oh man, I, how did I miss that? And the longer that this poppy seed sized bug feeds on you, if it is an infected tick, the longer it feeds, the more chances that you have. And and so there, there's just so much room for error, which is obviously why it's important, you know, year round. If you live anywhere that has ticks, you should always do tick, tick checks on yourself, um, on your on your dog, on on your on your children. But that there is the fact that like what you're looking for is very very mm. small. And um, and so easy to miss. And so that's why I think it's so frustrating to hear that when so many people are suffering and where it's like, well, you just got to catch it early on. It's like (laughs) you're looking for a poppy seed and like a haystack. It's Mm. it's it's wild. And we could go on all day and all night and all week and all year about the frustrations that come with that. We talked about what a bad day looks like. I also think it's important we discuss what a good day looks like in case there are any listeners who you know, have suffer from Lyme or various co-infections or chronic Lyme and, and need um, hope, which is what you guys also talk about in your documentary, which is a really important, necessary word in the Lyme community. What does a good day look like? And, and what was a good day in treatment? What did that look like? Well, having Lyme disease is indeed a journey as well as going through treatment because you can treat off and on, which I have done. When I was going through treatment, there were some good days because I do remember there was a time that I was receiving this very special treatment that I only know is being practiced at this particular clinic. And it's where they're able to get the antibiotics up and across the the blood brain barrier. And you go through about eight sessions of that. And once I was finally on the other side of receiving that session, I remember making a comment to my doctor saying, wow, I didn't realize that I had so much brain fog this entire time I've been seeing life through a dirty windshield. And finally, after receiving that treatment, things had become clear. Like I was starting to feel normal in my mind again, you know, like my old self. So there are, there are good things about treatment when it does work. Most of the time you experience it after treatment because there's so much going on during treatment and so many symptoms that surface while you're treating that it really is hard to have a good day during treatment. Uh, but once you actually stop and you kind of take a break from all of that, and then your life starts to mimic what it used to look like. Not 100%, because even now, you know, I, I, I will never be able to go back to who I used to be. And there was a time I used to grieve that 
But mm-hmm. now I've embraced that and I am a better person after everything that I've been through and everything that I've learned and all the amount of, you know, emotional suffering, it has led to so much growth. And so I think on the other side, once you finally are able to get to a point of healing, then in my case, it, it, um, it it's very difficult to say this, but in my case, it's become one of those um, kind of hidden blessings in my life, you know, only because it's made me a stronger person. It's given me much more empathy towards others in general in life. And so those are, those are beautiful things to look forward to on the other side of healing from Lyme, I think. That word healing is so powerful because you are right for chronic Lyme. There is no magic medicine. There's no cure. And so you had spoken in the documentary about how instead of finding the quote unquote cure, you found healing and the deeper meaning of that word. And that meant to you keeping the hope and your spirit alive within you. And I thought that was so powerful and so lovely because the truth is that simple concept can help anyone in their life, no matter what they're battling. And we all have our battles. And I just thought that was so beautifully said. And I really commend you for going on that journey and coming out. Your light at the end of the tunnel is that word. And that's so powerful. Yes, it is a powerful word, healing. And I, and I like to think in my case, um, the healing came into my body in so many ways. I mean, just emotional healing, healing from wounds from the past, from past traumas, healing in different areas of my body now, because I am so fine-tuned with everything that happens with my body. I know exactly what it needs. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I am much more conscious about how to take care of myself. And I have made a commitment to doing that. Whereas in the past, I was much more lax and much more loose about those things. And the majority of that is in the things that we eat, the things that we consume, because they have either so much benefits, right, or not. So um, it's important to really understand how what we eat affects us. And then spiritual healing as well. It took me into a a deeper path where I began seeking much more and became much more serious about about, um, this life that we live, you know, why am I here? Who am I? What, what, who are we as a human species? That I began to explore those areas of my life as well and open myself up to, to asking more of those questions and seeking more of those answers. So it was important to me to receive that, that whole body healing or um, holistic, so to speak, you know, where we're dealing with mind, body, and soul and not just trying to Give me a pill so I could feel better and I could go on living my life the way I used to be. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And we're back. Do members of the chronic Lyme community need to, is there a medication that has to be taken always, or is it just each person is different? At this point, you went from having, you said five days a week, six hours a day on IVs to have antibiotics going to attack the the Lyme and various co-infections in your body. What does it look like today after that? I mean, what, how does it, I know that you can't be cured of Lyme, but are you in remission? Is there a word for it? Is there um, a process, um, you know, at this moment in time, is there a term that you would consider yourself? Yeah, the goal is to get to remission. And there's times where I often wonder, am I 100% in remission? I, I don't know because trips like the one that I took um, several months ago, it seems like every time I, I travel, it sets me back. So I have either relapsed or flared up, but I know neurologically I'm in a much healthier place. I'm no longer living in a bunch of brain fog and I'm able to make affirmative decisions for myself without, and, and be proactive and um, goal set. That was one thing that I, I stopped doing was setting goals because they were so hard to achieve. And so I think the best thing to do is to realize that remission may not look 100% like pure. To me, remission is managing, managing your care, managing your health with many more good days than bad days. So for me, I would have in my past when I was really sick, I would have one or two good days a week. Now I have one bad day a week. Um, or, you know, a few bad days a month. And so I, I still have to manage my care and I'm not cured, you know, I'm not 100%, but I do believe that's what remission looks like. I mean, I, I don't know that anybody has come out forthright and said remission is a list of things, but as far as I'm concerned, um, it, it is, you know, having that brighter outlook towards your future it's being able to accept yourself where you're at. It's being able to manage your health and your care. Um, and, and to no longer mourn 
over those things in the past, you know, who you used to be, the things that you used to be able to do. To me, that's what remission looks like and what healing looks like. Can you take us through what the key signs of Lyme are and so we can hopefully be able to prevent it? Some of our listeners who this is their first time even learning of Lyme disease and now they're, you know, trying to figure out how to prevent it. Um, I think one of the reasons why a lot of people miss uh, Lyme when they've been bitten is because the onset of symptoms are much like a flu. You become feverish, you experience malaise, you might have some muscle weakness, you just don't feel 100% like yourself. Mm -hmm. And those are the onset symptoms. So a lot of, if you don't have that bullseye eye rash, then you think you just have a cold or the flu. And so you need to be aware of what those symptoms look like. You definitely need to be able to check yourself or have somebody check you in those areas that ticks commonly like to hide. Which are, which are what areas? Like behind your neck, behind your knees, um, uh, just the warm, dark areas. The armpit areas of the yeah. body. Yep. Yes. Those areas. Groin, to toes, like yeah. hair. And what's important, you know, I, before I was diagnosed, I was a lover of life. I mean, I have such an adventurous spirit that there is nothing that I wouldn't consider doing. I was the girl who was willing to jump out of a plane and to jump, you know, to, to, to um, go hot air ballooning and bungee jumping and uh, scuba diving in the blue hole. I did all those things, but without any recognition of the fact that there's this tiny little insect out there that may attach itself to me and completely change my life. And that's exactly what happened. When that happened, I have no idea. So I always try to tell people, if you love going outside for walks, you like to walk your dog, you like to go for runs, you like to go hiking, you like to do any of those outdoor activities, please, please, please make sure that you protect yourself. Put the deer tick spray on and there's other things that you can use to spray your clothes down. Uh, so, and, and, you know, things, <laughs> silly things like tucking your socks, your into your pants, into your socks to eliminate um, any skin being um, accessible for them to make contact with. I just think it's really important. You, you just, it, we live in a time where you just can no longer go out there and not consider those things and prepare for those things. Yeah. No, the reality is, is that we, <laughs> there's a lot more people in the world. So it's not like these ticks have like also just like magically appeared. We are, you know, expanding beyond just city centers and we're, we, you know, towns are getting bigger. We're going out into different spaces. So it only makes sense that we are now in more areas where there are deer and there are deer tick and there are, you know, we are around the Lyme infected ticks like this. It, it just makes complete sense. And why exactly what you're saying? It, like, it's not like don't ever go outside. Don't go on a hike. It's just take the extra precautions. It's the same as if you're going to be, you know, heading out into an area that, you know, has mosquitoes, wear mosquito spray. <laughs> if you're going to be hiking in the woods, yeah, maybe it doesn't look so cool on your Instagram. Take it off for a second, but tuck those leggings back into the socks and, you know, wear appropriate shoes and, you know, wear a hat to cover your hair. And it's just like 
just those little things can make such a big difference. And it's just for your own personal safety. And and it's and I'm so great that grateful that we're able to have this conversation because you know, knowledge is power and it's important to be educated on how to protect yourself um with something that is a growing epidemic, really. Could I ask one question? Because you said where the deer tick repellent, does normal insect repellent work? Or do we have to make sure that it's a specific type of repellent only for ticks? Yes, it has to be specific. Okay. Okay. Tick repellent. Okay. Um, Yeah. And, um, you know, one, one thing that I, that we did talk about in our documentary is that they are discovering that it, it's not only ticks that can release this bacteria into your blood. It, it can be any blood sucking insect. So it could be fleas, lice, mosquitoes, you know, anything that would attach itself to you and start to suck your blood and in return, deposit bacteria into your system. Which is terrifying. Uh, it is. And but, it just seems so easily accessible. <laughs> but where can we go? Where can we go? Where can our listeners and where can we go to get, te- you know, can you get tested for Lyme? Is there a website that you highly recommend as part of the Lyme community that is a trusted resource for anyone that has more questions and wants to educate themselves more fully? Yes, absolutely. Uh, There's a lot of organizations out there that cater to the Lyme community, both on a national and local local level. A lot of them, such as LymeDisease.org, Global Lyme Alliance, uh, there's there's a lot of them. And they, in in each organization is working with the community to, um, you know, to head off different areas of, of, the struggles that we face, like testing and research and funding, um, things of that nature. But a lot of them will provide the education that you need to uh, educate yourself more on prevention and treatment and things of that nature. Also, there are uh, there are only a few places that will actually test and do what I call the Western blot or a full panel scale um, of testing for not only the the Lyme disease bacteria, which is um, which is Borrelia, but they also will test for co-infections, which are very common when you get bitten by a tick. They don't only release the bacteria Borrelia, but they release Babesia, Ehrlichia, um, Bartonella. So a lot of the times um, you don't just have Borrelia. One of the reasons why you're having so many symptoms is because you have more than, you know, one pathogen in your system that is essentially shutting your body down and breaking down your immune system. So it is important to, to get tested, especially if you're experiencing symptoms and having issues where you're going from doctor to doctor, and they are telling you, we don't exactly know what's going on here, or all of your tests are coming back normal, but yet you're experiencing symptoms and you know you're not crazy. So if you're having, you know, your normal blood work is coming back normal, but yet there's other things going on and they can't figure it out, then you probably should get tested. There's a, like, like Kayla had mentioned, um, in our film, we indicate um, that there's over 300, it mimics over 365 other diseases. So 
there's Bell's palsy, there's MS, there's ALS, there's so many other diseases where the you have to test for these pathogens. You can't just simply treat the symptoms to help you get better. You have to make sure that you don't have these critters swimming in your blood and invading and taking over your body. Francis Silva, thank you so much for your bravery in sharing this documentary, for sitting down with us today, for acknowledging, you know, so much that we don't talk about every day. And that's why we wanted to sit down with you. And we are so grateful to have had this conversation. For our listeners, we'll make sure we have um, all of the websites mentioned in our show notes so that you can continue to look for um, information on this. And is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? Just um, anyone who is out there maybe wondering if this is something that affects them or loved ones or any sort of hope? You know, I myself have come across a lot of people who have often wondered if they should get tested or they've begun experiencing one autoimmune issue after another. To those people, I highly encourage that you get a full panel uh, Western blot test, uh, which is more than just the typical ELISA test taken at your primary care physician. Uh, you won't get the results that you need from that test. And then uh, to those who are struggling, of course, with Lyme disease, those are my partners. Those are my family because I know what you're going through. And I would just encourage you to, to hang on, to, to fight the fight, to not give up. Um, one of my favorite sayings is, it's okay to go through the dark times, but don't stay there. Mm-hmm. And with Lyme disease, you will have many dark times, but don't stay there. Look for the light. Look for hope. Look for those who love you. You know, just and, and, and be encouraged with the fact that there, there is a way out. There's a way out if you don't give up and if you don't stop looking for it. <laughs> Francis, where can our listeners find you on social media if they want to stay up to date with uh, what's going on in your life. Yeah, we have a Facebook page called the monster inside me documentary. And uh, we, we post there often. We post there regularly. We are giving updates right now on um, what what's to come of our documentary. We are still in the process of trying to pick up a distributor to get it seen. We are hoping, you know, for, for a large distribution that way, those in the community don't have to to pay to download or rent or anything like that. But we don't know. We are um, we are working hard at that, and um, so the best place to find us would be on either Instagram or Facebook, or of course you could go directly to our website, themonsterinsideme.com. Francis, thank you so much. It's terrifying when you begin researching this and realizing that it isn't just ticks, that it's anything that can transmit blood. So when you think about it, it's mosquitoes, fleas, gnats, bed bugs, you name it. And they have the potential to transmit these pathogens. And it makes sense. And I just, it, it is such a, it's a disease that affects all of us that any of us can get at any time. And we started this podcast out by saying we didn't think it affected us when we lived in California. And the truth is anyone listening can get this at any moment. And that is a terrifying fact. 
Yeah, I'm so grateful that Francis, you know, we ended with just your real life, very simple precautions that we can take to protect yourself from getting a tick bite. And we're so grateful that you guys are listening to this episode because the best thing you can also do is just educate yourself, you know, just know where ticks flourish, know how you can dress appropriately, know what, you know, sprays you can use and just, you know, beginning to check yourself. But I, but what Francis is saying that the different tests that that's such valuable information because that bullseye mark and if and again if it if it seems confusing you keep hearing us talking about the bullseye just google it just look up you know uh Lyme disease bullseye mark and you'll have a clear picture of what it looks like so then you can also um when you are doing tick checks um you can look for that as well i think that that's really important to see as a reference Give, giving yourself all the the tools that you can to be educated enough to uh spot it when you see it and uh and know how to test for it when you feel that it might be something affecting you or a loved one. Right. And after listening to this episode, if you want more information, um, you can go to our Instagram. We will have information on there. You can also uh, research it. At, like Francis said, the Global Lyme Alliance has a lot of information and also LymeDisease.org. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Directionally Challenged. We have another great one coming up for you next week. Until then, stay safe and we'll see you next week. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa DeMonts. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with ACAST.